This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Were you one of the 40,000 people who ran around this city today? I hope so, because I'm going to tell you why that is so beneficial to your life, especially your sex life. You know, we never talk about this, this secret society known as sex, the one where everyone is doing it. Well, I'm not really believing that anymore, but no one is talking about it except yours truly, of course, every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best. They can be. This show is more than a sex show, but I am trying to seduce you. We're going to be talking about seduction tonight as well. To listen to information about health, relationships, love, and your body. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TED speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex and health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex and health, of course. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking in a little bit of a different way, perhaps outside of the box, and a little bit of have a little bit more fun. So do stay with me. It's uh, my honor to have you here with me. This evening, it's always my pleasure to be here with you. However, there is an aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is sexual abuse, unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. Of course, for those of you who have been struggling with this, you are never far from my heart. I wish you all the best on your healing journey, and I'm keeping you in my prayers and thoughts. And uh, so I do hope that uh, some information that we cover may be helpful to you. Good evening, Matt. How are you? I'm fantastic tonight. How are you doing? I'm outstanding myself, yes. Uh, did you run the Sun Run today? Um, should I be honest here? Or? Absolute honesty on this program, Matt. No, I didn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, this is why I feel so great, because the neurotransmitters, the serotonin levels are up. You know, I, uh, It was great, actually. I didn't actually feel well uh, for, the la- for the two days prior, and I thought, mm, I'm not going to go. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to let down a few people that I promised. Not that they really miss me that much. But, you know, I thought, no, you said you're going to go. Just go. Just try it. You know, if you can't, um, if you can't do it, you can't do it. So I was actually pretty proud of myself that I did do it, you know. What was so, your time? I, I, I really don't know because I'm not <laughs> competitive at all. <laughs> but i do know that i sprinted (laughs) the last kilometer (laughs) i did see some videos of uh, people dressed up looked like pretty good looked like the weather held off a little bit tough weather today it was great running weather but tough weather in terms of what to wear you know i was trying to find something cute and that was a big giant failure anyway but uh so i'm glad i did it and you know exercise is so important for your health for your emotional health for sexual health do put the kids to bed we're talking about sex tonight Um, So listener discretion is advised. You have been forewarned. Uh, You know, it's it's so important. And also that crowd love as well and being with people and maybe you trained unlike me. Perhaps you trained prior to running the sun run. That's not true. I train. I cross train, you know, a few calisthenics in the bedroom, some hikes up uh, the mountains of the North Shore. And uh, what else do I do? A little bit of housework anyway. So a little cross training there. For me, but I, I, I really didn't run. I hadn't really run this winter until yesterday, which I thought, I'd better go for a run, see if I can actually do this. So I actually went for about a, an 8K run yesterday. But anyway, it was fine. You don't have to run in order to, you just have to have stamina and, you know, be in shape, whatever you do. You swim, hike, 
whatever. Anyway, so it was good. So that's about that for my day today. And uh, tonight, though, we have lots of different subjects on the program, talking about marijuana and teen pregnancy, uh, which there's some new research out that might surprise you. Also, there is a new treatment for menopause, big advancements in the menopausal area. Dr. Anjali Malhotra will be joining me tonight shortly to talk about that. If you are sweating, there is a problem. If you're sweating in the bad way, not the good way, because that's the stamina way. Anyway, um, saying actually and way a lot tonight, but nonetheless. Canadians struggling with work-life balance, especially here in British Columbia. We are not doing a good job of that, Matt. We've got to improve on that. Because I, that might be, I might be... I might be uh, guilty. Some, guilty of that. Yeah, well, couldn't get that word out. Guilty. Well, nobody likes to actually admit that they are guilty. That's one thing. We are going to be talking about some angry men out there in the world and how we're, we're saying we're not going to take this anymore. But it's really difficult. The point that I want to make tonight is it's very difficult to, for people to take that feedback, realize that they are culpable, realize that they perhaps need to improve. And uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about how a few guys who've lost it this week publicly. And what does that mean? What does that mean to me? What did it say to me when I saw this uh, or listened to it? What did I think about that? Because I deal with couples quite often in my clinical practice and anger is a big issue in relationships. So we're going to be talking a lot about that. Fortunately, I have Allison Jones I'm sure you know her. She's the author of the book, More, and uh, you. Uh, she's a psychologist, and she's going to help you to spring clean your relationship. But is that going to protect you from partner poaching? I'm not sure. We're going to be talking about partner poaching as well. You know, a lot of women whose husbands have extramarital affairs blame the uh, the mistress, shall we say, the other woman, and they just let the guy get off scot-free. Uh, but you really have to take a look at your relationship and see what's going on in there. But are you or is your relationship at risk of one of you being poached by somebody else? Anyway, with uh, the responses I've received from my TEDx talk that where so many people are not having sex, I can't imagine people turning down <laughs> somebody that wants to have sex with them, that goes after them. So it, it's risky. That's just another risk out there. I might have to do another TED talk. You never know. Uh, I mentioned the few white angry men, few angry men. Anyway, uh, also we're going to be talking, this has infuriated me. I've, I've happened, I happen to have done a fair bit of driving this week all over the city, out in Surrey, North Shore, everywhere. And I am amazed at how many people text while they're driving. And you know what? I bet they're not just texting. I bet they're sexting too. And we know that there have been some cases of people actually having sex while they're driving and, you know, getting written up for that. It's a bit of an embarrassing moment. You want one of those turtle shirts from Saturday Night Live (laughs) if you um, have that. But anyway, so we're going to be talking about that. There's a lawyer who's going to be joining me tonight, Paul Hergott, and he's going to talk about his little campaign. I think it's a good one where all cell phone use should be banned in this province, you know, because the hands-free is a bit uh, misleading. And there is something called conscious distraction or unconscious distraction or maybe both. I don't really know. There's some sort of distraction. I saw someone get hit crossing the crosswalk because they were looking at their phone. And the person that did it, it was completely their fault other than the fact that, I mean, a 
the person they that got hit, hit by a person? car. No, the person that got hit. Oh yeah, it was like, their walked fault. Walked out in a red light. Didn't didn't even look. Just kept going. Wasn't thankfully wasn't hit hard, but they would have felt it the next day. Oh yeah, they would have felt it for a long time. You know, and and uh, you know, I have to admit, I have hands free, and I even have the little phone on the steering wheel. Maybe everybody does. I have no idea, but uh, and, but still, you can be distracted driving when you're talking to somebody hands free. When you're passing that 18 wheeler at 120, you know, I mean, it's a pro. I don't do that. <laughs> Never. You know, uh, and also, of course, uh, Debbie Evans, who is a uh, realist, realtor and uh, designer, interior designer extraordinaire, I might add, in the, in the fancy place over there with the rich and famous. You know, we have to say rich and famous because the rich aren't necessarily famous and the famous aren't necessarily rich. But she works over there in the, in the fancy digs of town. And she's going to be telling us a few stories uh, related to partner poaching. So that will be very interesting. Um, Also, uh, you know, you can make a suggestion, make a recommendation, and people can ignore you. And sometimes that drives me crazy. I am expert in the field of vaginal health. And sometimes they call me the vagina whisperer. (laughs) I actually just call myself that. But anyway... So I made a recommendation to a patient, and she brought the letter to her doctor. So I'm a nurse. Don't forget, Dr. Love is actually a nurse. Um, But (laughs) uh, the doctor, of course, had to do his, quote, unquote, his own thing and give her incorrect information. So... I'm going to go off on a little rant about that. And, you know, some women may learn in the meantime, and some men too, as well. So, and then something else, my laugh is constantly up for debate. And we did have a debate this week. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I got a message on Facebook from somebody who said, and I don't want to mention his name because he drives home (laughs) from his parents' house every Sunday night and listens to the show, Matt. Listens to us, okay? What do you think of that, huh? Uh, That sounds good. I'm waiting for what's pretty cool yeah anyway so he just said i actually he mentioned something about my laugh you know people are always like i like your laugh you shouldn't laugh enough you know you don't laugh you shouldn't laugh i love your laugh you keep on laughing you know so anyway i can't help it i just i just laugh but nonetheless i actually said to um a friend of mine that i was with she's newly divorced i love fixing people up and so i said hey you know this guy he looks single you know maybe you you i kind of showed her his face (laughs) we're friends on facebook I showed her what she looked like and thought, oh, she, he's pleasant looking. You know, she thought he's good looking. And, and I said, you know, he looks single. And I realized they all look single online anyway. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about some of those troubles when you're trying to look single online. Anyway, when I come back, we're getting serious. We're talking about menopause. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You'll be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much And long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting the show for you this evening. It's always my pleasure to be here with you. If you've got a question about sex or health or menopause or anything we're talking about tonight, give me a call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Menopause is a difficult time of life. It's called the change. There are a number of vasomotor symptoms that women may experience it 
experience during this time. There are years that are leading up to the menopause. Some of the symptoms you may or some uh, that you may notice or have or experience are hot flashes, night sweats, and other vasomotor symptoms. Dr. Anjali Malhotra, a women's health specialist, is on the line to talk to us tonight about a new medication for all of those symptoms that you're experiencing that I just mentioned. Good evening, Dr. Malhotra. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. This is exciting news because we have a new medication on the docket that acts a little bit differently than some of the other medications approved for uh, vasomotor symptoms, night sweats, and hot flashes. Can you tell me about this new medication? Yeah. So what's been nice is over the last 15 years, we've come a long way since the WHI study that changed it all for everyone and plummeted use of hormone therapy. And we learned a lot of things. We learned, you know, don't give women that are over 60 first start uses of hormone therapy, start hormone therapy within 10 years of the final menstrual period, these kinds of facts. And with that and the advent of many, many studies that have come from the WHI, we've learned a lot about menopause. And so new therapies come, which has been really nice to see. So we have these, this new therapy on our market now in Canada, which has been on the market in the States for a few years now. It's called Duavive. And instead of traditionally offering us an estrogen and progesterone together, which after 5, 7, 10 years in certain women, not everyone, so many people can safely use their hormones for many, many years, can have some breast density issues, and that is a risk factor for breast cancer. Taking the progesterone out of the mix is what this new medication does. Now, that doesn't mean it's completely safe or that we have that data for the long-term user or anything along that line, but we predict favorable safety with it. We predict that potentially women who have breast density or have concerns with the progestins that are taking long-term, this may be an option for them because it works differently. It's an estrogen. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, it works differently. So it works differently by being an estrogen, which we know and understand, and a compound called, a, it's overall called a T-sec. So it's a selective estrogen modulator. So the T-sec portion, sorry, my little girl, uh-huh. <laughs> the T-sec portion binds selectively to certain areas of the body. So it competes with estrogen in the breast and the uterus and wins in those two by protecting those tissues the same way as progesterone would. However, it's not a progesterone. So we predict that we'll just work differently in certain women. And this is for women who have an intact uterus. Yes, exactly. So it's still a compound. So we're still using two agents in someone in very precise formulations in very low doses. So it's still women who have not had a hysterectomy, who have a uterus, who need both estrogen and something to protect their uterus. That's right, because postmenopausal women who have an intact uterus and take estrogen with progesterone have an increased risk for irregular vaginal bleeding and, as you mentioned, the increased breast density and breast pain. And to your point, the bleeding may be a little bit better on this one than it would with progesterone and cycling it and using it continuously. Now, what will happen in each woman? I'm a proponent of saying, you know what, if this is something that is appropriate for you and you've discussed it with your physician, everyone's going to be different. But in some women, it's going to be an option. So we never know for sure whether one's going to be perfect for someone. But I really love having another option. 
So I love having a tickle trunk full of options. And Absolutely. Saying, well, you know what, let's try to design this around what's going on with you and specifically your concerns. Because so many women have so many different needs and options are definitely yeah. the way to go. Now, for yeah. more information and, and perhaps how to come and see you, if somebody, if there's a woman out there who wants to talk to you about this, who's experiencing night flash, flashes, hot Night sweats and hot flashes and vasomotor symptoms, how would they get in touch with you? And cognition and all of the rest that it is. Um, Please, uh, you can see me at City Square by referral, and uh, my website's Graceful Vitality, so consult information's on there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Anjali Anjali Malhotra. The (laughs) medication is Duave, D-U-A-V-E-E. And uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the information. I am Maureen McGrath. When I come back, we're going to talk about our imbalanced lives here in British Columbia. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you. I am one of those people that is constantly trying to seek balance. I love life. I love working. I love exercising. I love being in love. I love my life. Okay. And, uh, but you know what? Sometimes I can take on a bit too much or I may have a problem saying no, or I may want to help people out fairly immediately. So I've got my problems. So this is why I was incredibly stoked when I saw a survey from Insights West that looked at how often office hours bleed into our personal time. And, uh, More than half of Canadians work full-time, 56% say they have had to stay late at the office over the past six months, or you bring it home, you bring your work home. Well, there's some risk associated with that, and Mario Canseco with Insights West is on the line, and he is going to talk to me about the results of this study. Good evening, Mario. Great to be here, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for coming here. It's so great to have you. You know, I think uh, there has been a time when I've said, Forget work-life balance. And to me, it's like, let's start from the outside in. (laughs) Clean car, clean house, food in the fridge, (laughs) uh, work up to date, deadlines met, exercise in, you know, a certain amount of socialization, constantly trying to, uh, of course, a certain amount of other activity too, Mario, but we won't go there. Uh, No. (laughs) Um, So, but you're constantly seeking that. And of course, adequate sleep as well. So I thought this was a very interesting survey well it's something that we wanted to to look into and when we first designed the survey we expected to have a little bit of a of a divide when it came to genders maybe some differences within regions and as we started to tally up the results it really became a question of generations um millennials definitely reporting that they're struggling that they're working a lot that they're taking the office home generation x also doing it to a lesser extent and baby boomers certainly happy with the situation that they have, more likely to say that their balance between work and, and the life is great. Um, certainly not the same situation we see with the younger generations. 
Yeah, that's interesting. It's so easy to take work home. It's so easy to stay at the office. I mean, I think a lot of people enjoy their work today. The jobs are a lot different and they enjoy it and they kind of get off on it, if you will. And it can be addictive. That can be a problem also. And so I think there's a little discipline that people need to, if it's, if it's become a problem in their life and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people need to initiate some discipline, like saying no, trying not to be a people pleaser, you know, not feeling the need to answer people right away, not emailing people at two or three o'clock in the morning, because all of this impacts your health, your relationship, your sex life. Well, it's definitely something that we see when it comes to, to the way people relate to their family and friends. And, you know, obviously we see a lot of people who, who had to stay late at work, um, who had to work home from, uh, who had to work from home at night. But I think technology is also playing a role in this. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we hardly had employees who had a company issued cell phone and we didn't have email. So you didn't have to deal with some of those things at night or on the weekend, if, if it was something that was clearly important, then maybe there was a way to contact you. But many of those tasks ended up having to be dealt with the morning after. And what we see now is so many people, especially younger uh, Canadians who are working, saying that they had to take a phone call related to work when they were with family and friends, or they had to reply to an email when they were with family and friends. And it's definitely putting a strain in their relationships with their family and friends. Um, while only 42% of Canadians report that their work-life balance is actually putting a strain, it goes all the way to 55% for millennials. So people who are trying to get by, people who are trying to get that next promotion, that next step in their careers, are the ones who are making some of those sacrifices. But the people who are close to them are definitely suffering. Absolutely. And they're suffering themselves as well. But uh, you mentioned that in years gone by, perhaps the 60s and the 70s, they had martinis to deal with it. I mean, you know, how much stress, <laughs> how much stress was it to, uh, you know, liquid lunches? How much stress was it to take that problem home? And especially guys, I'm going to focus a little bit more on guys toward the end of the program, but guys, you know, don't express themselves in a similar or same way that women can tend to. And so maybe don't talk about their problems and may keep their problems in and may have worried about that overnight. Whereas there's something pretty satisfying about being able to deal with a problem right away for somebody and it's done, it's over with. Uh, so there are some benefits to technology, but I think, I, I mean, I, I had a problem. I have a, a contract out in Surrey and I had an issue yesterday and, and the person called me, I was on the phone with them for an hour and then today they followed up with me. And you know what, quite frankly, I I wasn't feeling well. I ran the sun run. I went out for brunch. I, you know, tidied up. You know, I, I did a million things and I just didn't get back to the person. And it was a text. And I thought, you know, and I, I started to feel a little tiny bit guilty. And even though I knew, like, if I don't get back to this person, it's fine. It's not going to change anything. Well, that is definitely playing a role in the way millennials are reacting to many of these things. You know, they're, they're more likely to be dealing with some of these situations, I think part of it is they don't want to make their bosses upset. Um, there's that sense of responsibility as far as if I reply to this at 11 p.m., then maybe it'll help me down the road and I'll be uh, leaving the boss with a with a good impression of the way I'm, I'm dealing with things. But it's also difficult because you're, you're missing out on specific things. And you know, one of the inspirations for this survey is a law that was passed in France recently uh, which essentially says that if, if you have a company that has more than 50 employees, 
your workers have the right to disconnect, as they called it, which is, you know, there are specific hours, especially evenings and weekends, when the staff should not be sending or answering emails, should not be answering phone calls, unless it's something incredibly urgent, we'll deal with it the next day. And when we ask Canadians about this, four in five employed Canadians, 82%, um, say that they would like to see similar legislation in Canada. So there might be a way for the law actually to be on your side on this and essentially say to your bosses, you can wait till tomorrow. It's not going to be something that needs to be dealt with right now when people are with their families. That's going to involve some self-regulation. That will involve people, even though it's legislated, people will say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not a big one for working 14 hours a day. I know that's going to surprise a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I actually don't. Um, but a lot of people make these perceptions about me and they, they'll say to me, oh my gosh, you're so busy. They look at what I post online and that's how they judge how busy I am. They haven't got a clue. But, um, but uh, you know, I am not one, and I, I will not send an email at, like, 11 at night or, or never 2 or 3 in the morning. I'm sleeping, actually. But, but if I see people sending that, you know, I'm, I'm negatively judging them. I don't like to be judgmental, but I'm just thinking, what were they doing? And, you know, people get depleted over time when they constantly are working 12, 13, 14-hour days. It leads on to other problems and other issues, especially around their health. They don't have time to exercise, have sex, um, or, you know, properly purchase nutrition, you know, nutritional dinners because they're maybe ordering out. So it leads to a whole host of unhealthy behaviors. But the flip side of that is that people can worry about their jobs. And so they think, and also, okay, they'll worry about the job. So they're going to think that if they're more productive as opposed to having self-respect and being disciplined, but we're humans. Sometimes people are nasty, especially in the workplace, right? I mean, we have a lot of problems in the workplace. We have a great new show here, The Employment Hour. I love that show. And um, and it's so informative. And so people can, you know, kind of play with that and think. It's like guys taking paternity leave. They'll say, if I take paternity leave, they'll fire me. You know, and, and that can happen because you can get fired without cause. So I think that, you know, there's. I think this is a very complex issue but at least you're recognizing the problem. Well, you know what? We've done a lot of surveys uh, related to, to the way employees feel. Uh, we did the Dream Employer last year, which was, which was really interesting, just taking a look at the way we deal with each other, not necessarily from a human resources standpoint as far as you know how you're being treated, are you being promoted, uh, but also about the toll that, that some of the things that we're doing take on our daily lives. And, and this was you know, part of the inspiration for the survey, in the sense of really trying to to see how we behave when we're outside of the office. It's, it's one thing to, to deal with certain aspects of our lives, and, and, you know, it's tough to control how an office operates, and there's so many different ways in which we work nowadays. Uh, but this was really focusing on those uh, who are taking the office home, so to speak. And, and it, it's really leading to a lot of stress. It's really leading to a lot of problems. And for millennials and Generation X particularly, it's really putting a strain on on the way you deal with your family and friends. So I think, I mean, obviously legislation is probably not going to happen anytime soon, but there's, there's got to be a way to, to self-regulate, if you will, and, and to try to find a way to, to allow some of these employees who are reporting being stressed because they have to work outside of the 9 to 5 classic jobs that we used to have to find a way out. Right. And, you know, millennials never knew it any other way, right? Yes, exactly. That's, That's one of the problems. Of 
Yes, exactly. that's, that's one of the issues. And, you know, a lot of these jobs, they're not dealing with life and death. You know, they're paper pushing, pencil pushing. <laughs> like, seriously, people put so much pressure on themselves and, and really place this high value and high importance on, you know, uh, really just trying to sell snake oil half the time, right? Um, so it's, you know, it, it's not... Uh, you know, I mean, I, I do deal in life and death, and I've, I've dealt in life and death, and I know, you know, what's important from what's not. Um, but I think we have to, the most important is your health and recognizing that there are other ways, and limit setting is good, and boundaries and self-respect will ultimately uh, carry you through over the long term. Well, what's interesting when, when we look at the generational issue is, we ask people if they think um, that they're having an easier time, roughly the same or harder time than their parents did uh, to achieve a work-life balance. And there's 41% of Canadians who are employed full-time who say it is definitely harder now. But what's interesting is it's Generation X that is more likely to look at it that way, uh, Generation uh, Y or, or uh, Millennials, um, because of what you say. I mean, this is the only type of situation that they've known. They've always worked with cell phones. They've always worked with email. Right. They've always worked in a situation where they're connected to the office all the time. Generation X tends to be a little more nostalgic. I think we do remember that our parents had an easier time before technology. Well, I think and it's psychology. I think it's, it's psychologically yeah. that, that they're having more difficulty. Yeah it, yeah, it definitely plays a role because you're looking at it as, well, I remember... My dad was busy, but when somebody needed him, they had to call the the home phone line, and maybe I would answer the phone, or my mom would answer the phone, and it was this crazy situation. You wouldn't be calling people late at night. Now you get, what, five, six emails at 10 p.m. trying to deal with the situation that is going to be happening the next day. And if you're trying to get ahead in your career and you, and you want to impress your bosses, and you're a millennial, you're more likely to say, oh, I got to deal with this now. Sorry, I'm not going to do what I was supposed to do, even though it's after hours. Exactly. Well, it's very interesting. I could talk about this for a long time because I think we have a lot of problems in our workplaces today. And uh, it's very interesting work. Mario, thank you so much for joining me on the program, on the sex show of all places. But everything's related to sex. You know that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Maureen. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, you're having problems in your life. Fortunately, I have Allison Jones. She's a registered clinical counselor, uh, couples therapist, family therapist. She's going to join me right after the break, and we're going to help you with all of those marital and relationship issues. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW with the uh, slightly wearing out ever-ready bunny. I've only been up since 5.30 this morning. (laughs) It's fine, though. Lots of energy left to talk about sex and everything else. Um, I'm going to actually hang over um, with Allison Jones to 9 o'clock because we just have a, a brief amount of time here, so I thought I would talk a little bit about cannabis use in pregnancy and also about uterine fibroids and vaginal dryness and how when the doctors don't listen to me, what do I do? Anyway, (laughs) it might be when you uh, read my rant. 
But uh, start with marijuana use. And, of course, marijuana use among teenagers is nothing new. And we're looking at changing the legislation in this country. But something that might surprise you is that cannabis is the most frequently used illicit drug in pregnancy. Now, you would think we've come a long way. There's lots of education that pregnant women wouldn't use cannabis during pregnancy. But a lot of women are desperate during that time, and especially teens. In particular, they... Um, might have nausea. So nausea is associated with pregnancy, especially early on in the pregnancy. And so some women may believe falsely that marijuana or cannabis does not harm a baby. But scientists, and according to research that has been done recently um, by Dr. Nora Volkow at the National Institute on Drug Abuse, um, says differently, has found differently from the research. In fact, Adolescents whose parents smoked pot, a lot of pot, during the pregnancy are found to have decreased attention span and more anxiety. And that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Like it could also be, like it's not definitely causation there, but, okay, Matt wants to say something. I just want to say the one thing is that, you know, people who tend to smoke pot may have more anxiety and they could be self-medicating. So that could be also related to the fact that their offspring have anxiety because anxiety is contagious. What were you going to say, Matt? My question would be is what kind of implications would it have, say, if the father was drinking or or heavily smoking marijuana at the time of conception? Because I worked with a lot of people with fetal alcohol syndrome and a lot of the blame got placed on the mother. Right. Well, you know, I the I'm the research is not uh, necessarily does not necessarily support that. Even the secondhand smoke, uh, it, it's really if you have a problem. Secondhand smoke is a problem if you have COPD, for example, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. But there's really not a lot of evidence to show that secondhand smoke is harmful if you are a healthy person walking around. And you know, I mean. They, they lay their seed, and, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> but not a lot of um, evidence to support that it's really about the father. But, you know, that's why we like research, and that's why we had the big research day yesterday. We want to continue this. So for the purpose of this particular study, they examined survey data on cannabis use reported by 410,000 women between the ages of 12 and 44. Of these, of these women, 14,400 are pregnant. And this revealed that 4% of pregnant women and 8% of non-pregnant women report marijuana use. So uh, there was a lot of use in teenagers. And girls between the ages of 12 and 17, um, there were 14% of those pregnant girls between the age of 12 and 17 use marijuana. This just warrants education. That's really my point here. I hear a lot of parents say, but marijuana is benign. And I think once we legalize marijuana here, that that message is going to ring loud and clear. And I just don't believe that marijuana is benign for everybody. So that's one thing. Second thing is um, uterine fibroids. If you have uterine fibroids, I, I'm the executive director of the Women's Health Initiative Network. And I also want to tell you about another new medication, Fibristol, for the treatment of uterine fibroids. Uterine fibroids strike women between the ages of 30 and 50, typically the busiest time of their lives when they're raising children, perhaps helping out their parents as well. They may be working, advancing their career. They may have problems like vaginal bleeding, bloating, pain, may impact their sex lives, infertility for sure. And so there is a conservative measure that can bridge you to menopause potentially if you are, you know, late 30s, early 40s. It can potentially make you healthier if you do require surgery, which is a hysterectomy. Hysterectomy is 
very common surgery in this country and in this province. We have 2,700 women or 2,675 women waiting for uterine surgery in this province. So there are things that you can do. One thing I just want to say is people do not have to suffer. There are lots of measures Um, For people, something else, vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy, very common condition, can lead to painful sex. It can shut down a a sex life. And um, so I actually suggested, I I saw a patient, I actually met this patient. She was desperate. She had been to a number of uh, specialists. She, to no avail. She was misdiagnosed with vaginismus, which is a spasmodic uh, reaction to anything that is uh, inserted into the vagina, a finger, a tampon, a penis. And, but she didn't have that. She didn't have symptoms consistent with vaginismus. What she had were symptoms, and I, I met her initially to discuss the issue and the impact it had on her relationship. And then she came into my clinical practice, and I examined her, and she had significant vaginal atrophy. And she, I suggested that she use a particular cream because she had labial dryness as well. Sex was very painful. They were not having it at all. She loved her husband, was still attracted to him, which is a shocker. But anyway, she, um, I suggested a low-dose localized estrogen therapy. And what does her doctor do? Her doctor says, no, that causes cancer. Not true. Low-dose localized estrogen therapy does not cause cancer. It doesn't cross over into the systemic. But I want to tell you, if you don't want to use any estrogen at all, there is a new laser treatment called called the Mona Lisa Touch. And there's more information about that on my website, backtothebedroom.ca. That's the Mona Lisa Touch for vaginal atrophy. Do not let your sex life shut down. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.